Well, welcome to the follow-up podcast. My name is Hayden. I am the worship director here at Arbor. And today we're joined by David Piscatelli, a longtime Arbor member and a current member of the transition team. And as always, we have Brian Cobley, our youth director, who has really just moved away from his booth position. He's he's just a, a star on stage now. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, no problem. Also, David, thank you for joining us on a holiday. I know that Groundhog's Day is very important to you and your family. You guys like yes. to spend time together. Uh-huh. Today's Groundhog's yes. Day? Because to, yeah. sometimes we eat hogs that were <laughs> in on the ground, the ground <laughs> in particular in the form of bacon. Well, because that's delicious. Yeah. I'm gonna go look at my Apple News to find out if the groundhog. He saw sucked. a shadow. He did see a shadow. Yep, six more weeks of winter. That's what that means. Yep. Okay. Um, so, anyways, thank you, David, for taking time out of your your oh, family yes. time to join us. Any excuse to take a break from work. <laughs> <laughs> um, David, yesterday you spoke on First uh, Thessalonians chapter four. Show sure did. And um, great job. Really liked it. Um, so nice of you. <laughs> great job. <laughs> Great job. Um, with that message, there's a lot going on there in, in that specific piece of scripture. Did you find yourself in the process of writing this sermon and sharing it on Sunday? Um, did you find that you had to cut anything out for time's sake or this was some good information, but maybe just didn't fit in with the main point that you were going with? Oh, yeah, buddy. We sure <laughs> did. Uh so it's, it's been a number of years, maybe over a decade before, since I've spoken with like adults, um, teaching to kids. And so I wrote the sermon the first, and then I stood up and I gave it to just myself out loud, and I timed it, and it was 55 minutes. And I thought, hmm, it might be just a minute or two longer than my... Just a tad yeah, bit too you know, long. Knowing my kids would be here and other people's kids, I'm not sure 55 minutes is really going to float. So yeah, I ended up definitely cutting uh, a number of things out and reformatting things. Uh, so there were things I had to... What was like the one thing that you like you wrestled with? Like, I can fit this in somewhere, and then in the end, you're like, I can't. This one has to. Oh gosh, um, there are probably two things that come to mind. So, um, one is I mentioned it briefly. Like, if I had more time in the sermon, and at least in one of the sermons, I said, you know, I'll go all the way back to Genesis and Revelation and talk about marriage more mm-hmm. and where we see that in the Bible. And I had mentioned just you know the church is the bride of Christ, um, but I definitely would take more time to go all the way back to Genesis and talk about. Um, how God and God created that covenant with Adam and Eve, and then all the way to Revelation. I think it's Revelation 19, and we see um, we see that imagery of the bride showing up again. So there's more things there, and then the wrath of God. I thought the wrath of God was really interesting in a whole other conversation. And it was in the end of your chapter because you had chapter one, and he talks about the wrath that we're saved from. Yep. And then I forget if it's in two or three, it comes up again. I'd have to go. I'd have to go scan through again to see it again. But I had a whole little ditty on the wrath, and then I was like, nah, that's just, it doesn't tie in directly with sanctification. So if it doesn't tie into sanctification, then it was out. So. Yeah, I actually yeah. would like you to do uh, one thing uh, for everybody listening, because we do get, I do know from some people that I talk to that people watch our podcast, but do not watch the sermon. They okay. love the podcast. Um, and so thank you for our faithful watchers, viewers. <laughs> um, but sanctification and justification are very churchy words. I worked at a church where we tried not to say churchy words, so that's sorry if that is offensive to anybody, but that's just a background that I had. I, I'm okay with churchy words, but there's a lot of people who, you know, if they are new to church uh, within the last year, they've read that word, they've heard that word, but both of those words, but they don't know the difference between justification and sanctification. And I feel like 
when you have attended a church for like, you know, five consecutive years, you finally catch on because there's yeah. always that one sermon that's like, oh, that one. Yeah. There it is. That's yeah. those are the words. Could you do me a favor? And teach everybody the difference between justification and sanctification. Oh, that was the third thing I totally didn't do in depth. But in my first 55-minute version, I had a whole had thing that? on <laughs> yes, on calling justification, sanctification, and glorification. So, man, yeah, I, I like. I think I've gone back and forth actually, as you mentioned, in churches where they try and we we at the church. I was in youth ministry for a while as an intern um, and in other capacities, just where I served in different churches over the years and we would try and do less churchy language. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand why wanting to make it more friendly, but I feel like in this in this era, at least when we live now, people who are coming to church, at least in the Northwest, are not coming like in the South where it's like a cultural thing, like I got to show up to church. Otherwise, yeah. someone's going to think I don't, I just don't think that's, that's the reality anymore. So I feel like people who are coming to church are coming because they want to learn, probably. Mm-hmm. They want to learn something. And I feel like sometimes we do a disservice to people nowadays by not speaking about theology in those terms. And mm-hmm. so I enjoy it when we get to learn them nugget by nugget because, man, they're so thick. Like if if we only talked theology terms, people would just yes. be bored to tears. But, but I honestly think churchy words are not churchy words. Sanctification, justification, and glorification are like, we have to know that. We, we have to know the process of which we are saved and continue to be saved yeah. and what God is doing through us every single day. So, so I would say like the Romans 8 has a good little section. Romans 8, 28 to 30 is a section where we see something called, um, some theologians refer to it as the golden chain. And so there's some stuff there if someone wanted to go read. But really we see that in the teaching throughout scripture that there's a calling on our hearts, that God softens our hearts, that we might hear and understand. We see some very vivid imagery with Paul where like he is blind and then the scales fall away from his mm-hmm. eyes in the New Testament and Acts. But there's that calling and softening of our heart. And then justification is the first ification word. And justification is what I ex- explained on Sunday that, um, that Christ has done the work. Mm-hmm. He is the one who justifies us because we are born in sin in our trespasses. That's in Ephesians and in Colossians. If you want to go look at them there, I cut that out. But we are dead in our sin and trespasses. And so we can't atone for our own sin. We can't be smart enough to figure it out. We can't be thoughtful enough in our hearts. Christ has to do the work first. And he's the one who justifies us and is done forever. So that's justification that Jesus did the work and that it's guaranteed when we put our faith in him, we don't lose it. We don't have to continue to be re-justified. Mm-hmm. It's, it's done with our faith. But then there's a the process of, okay, so now I'm saved in Christ. So then what happens now? Well, that's sanctification, becoming more Christ-like in our actions and behaviors and our thoughts, again, by the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's the process of sanctification. That's ongoing for life. And then there's glorification. So one day when these bodies die, we are with Christ forever. We are made perfect already by Jesus. And then we have eternity with God. That would be we are glorified with God in his presence. So justification, sanctification, glorification. Yeah, I, I love those words. Uh, and I, again, I like to step outside of scripture when we do these podcasts and try and think like Paul. And I really want to know, like, where did he hear those words? Where did, where did he learn those words? Where did sanctification, justification come from? Is that, and Hayden, maybe you remember this from school because I really don't, and any professors watching this, I'm so sorry if you taught me this. <laughs> um, but are those Old Testament thoughts? Like, did that come from his, his old teachings and he 
blend those over into the new into the new covenant or are these new terms yeah. I wish I knew the answer yeah. before I put you on Gosh. the spot because yeah, I my, don't know. My answer is ultimately going to be I don't know. So I don't have yeah. a seminary degree and I don't speak Greek, so I don't know the original <laughs> writing of this letter to the Thessalonians. But obviously it was translated into sanctification. And I, I do love church history. I actually wrote um, part of my senior thesis in college. I had to write, actually had to write two theses, theses, but they were based on the Reformation. So the 1500s mm-hmm. and Martin Luther and really what the launch of the Protestant church as we know it today. Um, so I do love church history, but I don't know the answer to that. I know the ideas are there because they're all through the Bible. Like, even though we're talking about them today in the New Testament, we can go back to Genesis and see these ideas mm-hmm. all the way through. So the ideas and the concepts aren't new, but I don't know when the, the words kind of became pronounced. Just like we see the Trinity, just in these eight verses as eight verses of First Thessalonians 4, we see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, totally clearly, but the church after Jesus didn't really fully develop their idea of the Trinity until hundreds of years yep. later. Because you can't find the word Trinity. Like, yeah, like in. hundreds of years. But we see it so clearly through all the scriptures. So I don't know when those well, words started. Yeah, so, I mean, I know you and I have had a conversation before when it comes to which letter was first, First uh, Thessalonians and uh, Galatians. And I know you kind of lean more towards the... Yeah, you had your opinion and then I told you the truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, uh-huh. yeah. That's how it was. <laughs> Uh, you, had, you you lean on the side of Galatians, and if I know anything about Galatians, it is Galatians and Romans are pretty much almost the same letter. But the same things that he was writing, the same things he was trying to correct is the same. In Galatians, is sanctification, justification, is it also in there as well? I don't know. That's a good question that I bet you know the answer to. So I actually you don't. Answer that. I really don't. I mean, I could look at those. Words. You know, I have read Galatians a number of times, but since I've spent what, so much five, time since that's five chapters? Oh, yeah, so you had to go all, you had to read through all five chapters the whole, I say five uh, more. Christ set us free. Is that the one? <laughs> so going back to your question, Brian, while you're looking that up, um, you had said kind of the origin of sanctification. It is a um, the not the word itself, but the origin of it comes from. Hebrew, and it's a, a tradition that's talked about through rabbis, but in terms of the actual where did the word come from, 1350, late Latin. So I think if we want to put an origin on it, obviously God and then yeah. the Jews. But um, it was interesting looking at the Jewish definition of sanctification versus what we talk about with sanctification. So um, sanctification... Through God's names by works of mercy and martyrdom is oh. the Jewish definition of sanctification. But wow. that has obviously changed in the Christian realm. And also interesting, um, Muslims also have a definition for sanctification. So it seems to be a very overarching religious word that means different things for different religions. So, But One, originally... I don't want to say that your sources are not credible, but was that Wikipedia? It was not. Okay. <laughs> it was Biblepedia. Totally yeah, different. Yeah, <laughs> totally different. Um, to answer our question, I, I'm just looking at a headline in yeah. Galatians. Yes, you are. And chapter 2 says, justified by faith. So yes. It was, obviously, this was... Chapter 2.16. Yeah. This was uh, something that Paul, within his first two letters, he was already saying this. So I have to believe that he was teaching this to these churches when he was there. So I wonder if it was used when he was just uh, training to be a Pharisee? I'm, I'm sure it was. Again, I, the, the theological concepts go all the way back to Genesis, so yeah. they're not new. It's just a question of, um, 
how we continue to understand in the light of how Jesus revealed himself and understand what these mean going forward. Yeah. So, I mean, just in that verse in Galatians 2.16, it says where he says, we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we have not believed in, in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ. Da, 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 da. Um, so, <laughs> Does it say that? Like yeah, word for word? That's, that's yeah. the original I mean, manuscript? Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> um, but you can go read it. Galatians 2, 16. There's a whole, whole chapter on there. So yeah, and, and these concepts are not new. And I mean, they go, they go all the way back to the Old Testament. But again, sometimes I feel like, and I know in our lives, we hear these big words or we live a certain way or um, society starts to impact us with what the definition might be. And that's not really what the defin- is, definition is when we go back to the word. Mm-hmm. So even to that application point in the sermon about, um, you know, this lovely phrase today, that's, this is my truth. Well, my truth, if it's not true, is not a truth. And sometimes society will, oftentimes society will redefine things, even as we see marriage as an example and how does society define a marriage? That's clearly not the definition today that Mm -hmm. we see in the Bible. And so it's important that we go back with these concepts to understand. And to your point, Hayden, like sanctification, that might mean different things to different people. So what does it mean in the Bible? And I think that's what, that's why it's so important to study it. And to step one, one foot out again, you could check your sources, Hayden. Um, (laughs) But we also know that Paul's job was to be the, the messenger to the Gentiles. I wonder how the non-Jewish listeners heard those words. Like, yeah. did it mean something to them, or did Paul have to define it for them, and then it became part of their And it's also interesting how, I mean, probably to the Jews at the time, it felt like the Gentiles, the Gentiles and Christians are coming along and changing these words of what... That's true. So, like, you know, to, to David's point of, like, you know, there's there's a lot of, in society, there's a lot of changing of what things mean or, or the, you know, if we're talking about, like, the sanctity of marriage, you look at sanctification. The Jews felt like, no, you do this by acts of mercy or dying for your God. And, you know, Paul doesn't necessarily say, all oh, that's wrong. He's just, like, saying there's more to sanctification than just giving to the poor and dying for God, you know? I, so. Yeah, and, I mean, you can kind of change it. I guess in our world, if we wanted to stick to that same martyrdom, it would be dying to yourself. Yeah, for and sure. I guess that's a good way of defining sanctification with, you know, biblical scriptures is yeah. every day dying to yourself. Yeah. Sanctification that was a great is a, conversation. It, sanctification is a long conversation. It right? really is. Because it's not a, <laughs> there's no easy yeah. answer to it, right? Like, hey, I want to be sanctified. What do I do? Like, there is a, there's an approach that's, that's easy. It's, you know, walking with Jesus, looking more and more like him, listening to his teachings, but it's not as simple like do this and you're you're sanctified, man. You're good no, to go after this. I mean, even the concept of sanctification is that it's incremental one for our entire yep. lives, yep. including the understanding of it. And yeah. you know, I I love I, I chat with my father-in-law quite a bit about the Bible, and one of his phrases that we kind of chat about is, you know, when you don't understand it and understand something, don't give up, don't quit, no. but continue to wrestle with it. And it may take. It's not like, oh, well, I'll figure it out in a month or two. It mm-hmm. may take 10 years, 20 years. You may be wrestling with it when you're 30 years into your walk with Christ. But if we could understand everything in the Bible within the first couple of years, then we would you know, be much more like God than we really are. Which yeah. we're, we're made in God's image, but we are clearly not God. So we shouldn't expect to understand everything perfectly with total clarity in our lives. But that's to some degree where that faith comes in. And you did a, and you did a good job talking about, um, I think you said it was Sproul that, that has the five... Ten. The, the prayer, the prayer yeah. thing I robbed from him? Yeah, yeah. I give him credit, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, you did a good job mentioning that because that has to do a lot with sanctification, right? Starting small and then building, right? Because, I mean, if you want to just 
overnight say, hey, I want to look more like Jesus. It's not going to be an overnight thing. It's taking those baby steps. It's a lot like, you know, hitting the gym January 1st. Like what you do January 1st in the gym, you're not going to, it's not going to be even close to what you're doing maybe next year if, if you continue right. that. So sanctification is very much a process of those small baby steps to start looking more and more like Jesus and, and getting closer to him in relationship. So I thought that was in, in a, a really nice thing to share with people because I think that a lot of people think, oh, I need to be praying, you know, without ceasing. And if you're not praying at all right now, that's going to be incredibly difficult. And I think that giving people a tangible practice of just start, you know, was it one, five, I forget what the increments I, were. I mean, I adapted it for us and I said yeah. three, five, ten, just three, because five, I knew I couldn't hold it more than 10 fingers without using a foot and I didn't want to do that. So I think his was, I think his was like uh, 10, 20, 30 or something like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and, and they had some more elements too, but I, I yeah. simplified it. But three, five, ten, three, know, five, ten. Three minutes for five, three minutes for seven days, three minutes at a time for one week and then five minutes for another week and then 10 minutes for another week. And after yeah. three weeks. I think we might be surprised. Well, after three weeks, they're already, you know, on-ramped to the prayer team at that point. Yeah. They're just <laughs> be here on Saturday mornings praying. With Saturday mornings going at it. Yeah, the prayer yeah, team exactly. getting together for 30, 45 minutes. <laughs> and I've been to a couple of those prayer meetings. Saturday mornings, 10 o'clock, shameless plug. Yeah. Um, and they'll pray here in the sanctuary as a team. And when you're praying out loud with a group of people and you know, like, oh, we're not just praying to introduce, like, some, like a meal or, like, a, a Bible study, but you're like, we're going to pray. At first, it seems really daunting. But then you get into it and you start to hear people's prayers and there's this freedom to pray a little bit more and allow your mind to continue to think about, God, what else do you want me to pray about? Mm. And it's, it's wild and it's encouraging. Maybe a twee bit crazy as you pray <laughs> that long. And, uh, <laughs> you heard the sermon. <laughs> but it's, it is great. It's just great hearing other people pray when there's this freedom to continue to pray and not this almost like this social pressure, like, yeah. hey, don't pray too long, nerd, because we're trying to get on to something here. You know, the food's <laughs> getting cold. So, uh, I want to ask <laughs> this question uh, about the prayer team on Saturdays because uh, I know there's some people who praying in public with people is a very stressful moment. Like, yeah. I remember, like, when I was in high school or even a young adult and I found myself in a prayer circle and people stated, if you feel like there's just something on your heart, then ju just pray. And as you're listening, you realize that there's two people left who haven't prayed and you're one of them. <laughs> and then that person talks and you're like, well, I guess I have to at this point. I'm the only one. Yeah. Is that, is that happening on Saturdays for people who are like me? This, like, that is like one of the most stressful moments in the world. Uh, only if you make it stressful for yourself. Cool. But I would say amongst the... And usually it's not, it's not like a group of 20 people. It's maybe maybe five people or something like okay. that. And everyone is so gracious. I mean, I, I mean, not to stereotype too much, but people who come to prayer meetings generally are very kind, warm, gracious. They actually tend to oftentimes be a little bit quieter people. And the last one I was here, I think it's two weeks ago, is the last one I was at. And, you know, there's clearly people who just more things come to their mind. And like you and me and Hayden, we like to talk and hear ourselves because we're a little narcissistic. Yeah, a little. Um, just a little bit. More like, than a little not, for not me. But. but then there's people who... You know, they just, they don't, maybe they just pray once and it's just a few sentences, but they're there to agree with others in prayer. And I think that it can, it's, it's important in both directions. Mm -hmm. so, you know, shameless plug, come, you don't have to feel weird. <laughs> you can just come and listen if you want to hear people pray and just agree in your mind. Again, yeah, and let everybody know the day and time. That would be every Saturday at 10 o'clock, hosted by somebody from the prayer team, right nice. here in the good old sanctuary. Nice. Nice. Um, great conversations we've been having. I'd like to, 
talk a little bit more about your specific message, David. Um, was this sermon when you heard, I, I don't know how long ago, um, Allison and, and Brian had reached out to you to, to preach on this, this chapter, but when you heard about it, was this something, was this a, a, a chapter that came very easily to you to, to kind of formulate a sermon around, or was it something that you kind of labored over to, uh, to um, come to a conclusion, I guess. Yeah, so we, I mean, so this is the fourth week of the fourth. fourth hard, words are hard. It's tough. Of, I talked a lot over the last couple of days. Yeah, you have. <laughs> it's the fourth week of First Thessalonians, talking about the people in Thessalonica in the region of Macedonia. <laughs> this is great. Keep doing this. How many words can we have? Yeah. Um, Allison approached me, I think, I was. it was probably the very beginning of January, so I had kind of like a yeah. month heads up. Yeah. And it was, you know, we had certain sections that were on certain weeks, and this was the only week that was going to work out just with other things going on in, in my life and where there were holes that needed to be filled. So she's like, yeah, First Thessalonians 4. And I was like, okay, sure, yeah, you know, it's on the Bible. I'll study it and preach it. That'll be great. <laughs> and then I went and I read it when I got home, and I was like, huh, all right. <laughs> so we're talking about a section about uh, sexual immorality and fornication. Thanks a lot, Allison. Real cool. Um, because that's the words that like jump out when you read that. The first yes. time you read it through, anytime someone says sexual immorality and fornication, you're like, oh, what, yep. what's he going to say about that? Not um, me. But it, yeah, not me. <laughs> but it didn't take me long to see the big fat colon in the middle of verse three. Boom. And right before that was sanctification. And I like theology and talking about that and teaching on that. Um, so the more I read it through, the more I was like, you know, it, it's the focus of this is not that it. It is important to teach about that, but the focus for me is all wrapped up in sanctification, hence mm-hmm. the message. Um, so I knew that was going to be kind of really the wrapper. Um, mm-hmm. I just wasn't sure exactly how it was going to obviously come out right away. So yeah. I waited to hear what everyone else said, and then I tried to weave it all together because it was obviously yeah. all one story. So you talk about uh, Greek, and you don't speak Greek, but I do want to ask no. you a question. I do speak geek. Okay. Not I was Greek. in band. I went to band camp. <laughs> Hi, guys. I went to band camp. I played the, I played the euphonium, but I don't speak Greek, no. So, in your studies, though, did you come across the Greek word for sexual morality? I did not. Okay. But you did. I, I want to hear about it. I did. Brian, you know some Greek. I do know some You're Greek. a little rusty. I, I am very rusty. <laughs> You're a whole lot <laughs> that is definitely, less rusty than me who knows none of it. That's definitely a skill that uh, if you don't keep practicing at it, you'll, you'll lose All right, it. man. Learn me some Greek. Okay. Let's go. Come on. So, for everybody, <laughs> learn everybody listening, the Greek word for sexual morality is pornea. Mm. which is where we get our word porn, porn. pornography. Yep. So if you're looking at this word, it says, uh, if you look at First uh, Thessalonians, First Thessalonians, wow! There it is. <laughs> Four, three, it says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual morality. It says that you abstain from porn. But here's the thing, porn just doesn't mean the... the it's not imi- just pictures on the computer or magazine pictures, or whatever. It's not just videos. Yeah. Every, every form of sexual morality is under the umbrella of porn. So mm-hmm. I, every time I come across that word, and I, if I have somebody you know, struggling with, uh, with porn, I'm like, hey, just to let you know, I'm, I'm praying for you. I'll, I'll love to help you. But just realize that this word is bigger than how our society has defined what porn is. Because the sexual morality, anytime you come across the word sexual morality in Scripture, the word is pornea. Hmm. It is under that umbrella. So. Yeah. Yeah, I just thought, like, you know, if I, if I wrote the sermon, I would, that would be the thing, like, I want to teach it, but I can't because it's not really there. Like, yeah. Or it's there, but it's like I would spend way too much time trying to teach, yeah. teach all of that. 
And there's so many repetition words within that section where it goes back to other parts of First Thessalonians. Um, but yeah, I mean that's there's so, that you could teach on those three verses, and obviously it could it's very applicable in life, and it can be such a challenge in so many ways. Um, so I mean, you could spend a whole you could multiple sermons probably on yes. that, and it could spin off in all kinds of things about um, obviously the, the the forerunner there, but then it could spin off into marriage and into relationships and into consequences and into God being the redeemer and that, I mean you could mm-hmm. months on that just those three verses. So. Brian, yes, not, sir. Not to put you on the spot again, but do you know what the Greek word is for fornif- fornication? I say fortification. Uh, fornication. I don't. Did you look it up? I did not. But to me, it's always it's always curious because I feel like when I hear those two words, it's the whole rectangle and square. Like not all, uh, not all. What is it? Not all rectangles are squares, but all squares are rectangles. This is true. So when I hear fornic- fornication, I'm like. What's the difference between sexual morality and for, fornication? I don't know uh, why I want to keep saying fortification. They're very different words. <laughs> very different words. You guys are stuck on Thessalonians, and I'm stuck on <laughs> We're fortification. Thessalonians. Fortifying. Uh, could you, David, let me know where that word is? I don't know that we actually see fornication, at least in the ESV translation. That's right, because you and I have the same translations up here. Yeah, but uh, it might be back in that 1 Corinthians 6, 18. Dude, what do you say? No, that's from sexual morality. Fornication? He said said the word fornication in his sermon for sure. I use them to elaborate on the concept of sexual immorality because actually in the NRSV, which I don't have with me, it's at home, but in the NRSV, New Revised Standard Version, um, that actually uses the word fornication in the translation in First Thessalonians chapter four. Woo! I got fornication nice. and First Thessalonians in one sentence without messing them up. So NRSV is is one, and that is a translation I predominantly used back in my intervarsity days in my college years. So anyone who has done intervarsity, shout out! Whoop. Shameless plug. Shameless plug. Okay, Brian, <laughs> don't look too hard. It's the same word. <laughs> is it really? Yeah, I just looked it up. It's the same. It's the exact same Greek word. Is uh, pornea? Yeah. There's, there's some people who are going to watch this who are a little more seasoned in life than us. The people who I mentioned in the first service have the gray hair and no hair. Yeah. And they're going to be like, oh, you young whippersnappers. Oh, you're very right. <laughs> it is. Anything. The two Greek words are pornea yeah. and pornos. So yeah. both porn. Yep. So there you go. Yeah. I mean, fornication. When there is no dis- I Okay. I thought, I thought when, when David had said it that it said abstain from, you know, Sexual morality and yeah. fornications. I was curious, like, oh, is, so, there, is there a distinction? I was interweaving the two yeah. translations yeah. of so NRSV if, and ESV in my yeah. exposition. Yeah. If we pretty much, if we like put it in the Greek, what David said on stage was, oh, free, me. Uh, <laughs> flee from pornea and pornea. Yeah. <laughs> we double, so we underscored it, and then I underscored more and more. Yeah. So it's very. <laughs> You know, we're trying to make a point here. Well, oh, it's a good this, reminder. This, like you, my extrapolation <laughs> of that. Tell me once, I might forget. Tell me twice. I'm truly, truly, I say to you, yeah, truly, 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 do not go into porn, porn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh goodness gracious! Well, I don't want this to be a complete uh, MA18 rating for this podcast. So let's move on to a different topic. Um, how much time did you spend? It's okay if if you just listened once to Scott, Brian, and Allison's message, but did you find yourself going back and and listening to their pod, not their podcast, their messages or watching them during your process of writing your sermon, or was it chapter four is pretty, you know, explanatory, so I don't really need to dive too deep into those. I did listen to all their sermons and took notes as I was talking, knowing that, or as I was listening, knowing that I would be following you up. Mm -hmm. 
um, because I did not want to have to spend hours and hours re-listening to it, so I thought I would take good notes. And actually, in college, I once had a professor critique, so there's someone like highlighting things in their book, and they're like, why are you highlighting all that? So I can go back and study it again. They're like, why don't you just learn it the first time? <laughs> <laughs> just take, take good notes of the important things. Don't highlight the whole page and go read it again. And I was like, oh, okay. So anyway, uh, not to say that you're not important, and yeah, I'll yeah, no, Scott. Or me. I don't expect people to go back and listen to me over and over again. I'm sure Scott will probably not listen to me before he preaches next week. But <laughs> no, I just listened the first time and, and took notes, nice. knowing that I, it was important for me to understand where they were coming from. Yeah. Um, I did go through Thessalonians. I probably read through Thessalonians as an entire book, maybe 10 times or so. Yeah. Um, leading, over leading the course of the month. Okay. Yeah. It helps that it's only five chapters. So, yep. you know, you yeah. can read it in one sitting. If we were preaching through the book of Romans, I probably would not have read through it 10 times. But. Yeah. <laughs> uh, David, can you please read through Isaiah 10 times in a month? Oh, I can. What about Psalms? <laughs> uh, yeah. I listen to it. <laughs> I listen to it. I listen to it. Well, so I asked that question because something that we talked about last week um, with Scott was the first three chapters kind of open with, you know, praise to the church of Thessalonica. Like, I love you, guys, you. You're doing yeah, so good. Sure. Yeah. Very reminiscent of, of Philippians, right? Like you guys, gold star, you're not, you're not the church of Corinth. So good job not being them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so they're going to tell Brian, Brian, good job. You're not David, man. That's <laughs> step up. Cause he tried to move the bar down for yeah. you. So what's interesting is we're reading, we're reading these letters and we call them books, right? But they're not they're not books in the sense that we know, where there's this common narrative thread going through. Paul's addressing a church, right? This is very much a letter that Paul wrote to people that he's close to, people that he's pastored over. Chapter 4 takes a very different direction than the first three. And one of the things that I, we had talked about last week was for the people at home, um, the people that come on Sundays and they listen to these sermons, the first three weeks were like, really encouraging. And I still think chapter four is encouraging. It's just with a little bit of, you know, tough love of like, work on these things. Don't do these things. Did you find when you were writing it and, and maybe it's just the, the face value of it, did you feel like that there was kind of a shifting of gears when you open up chapter four compared to the first three chapters? Yeah, I think a little bit. Um, it's, and I think this is the uh, the layout of the format that Paul actually uses in a lot of his letters, if we were to go really kind of break them down in more of that, you know, Bible college seminary sort of application and just be very uh, study teach oriented as opposed to preach oriented. Yeah. Um, but there's, there's a very common theme where we have the greeting and we have these, you know, kind of remembering things or encouragement, and then he moves into application. Yeah. Um, so I think that the concept is there, but yeah, there's definitely a shift because chapter four is where he moves into that application and into the teaching on what to yeah. do. And we see that in a lot of letters. And even with that first word in chapter four of finally, and then he starts summarizing, it's like, oh, he's, yeah. he's getting to the end here. <laughs> Actually, I had a joke in the beginning where I was going to read that and say, finally, let's pray. But then I didn't because <laughs> unnecessary. I do um, like that finally. Like, yeah, and I, I've been saying all this, but this is really what I've been trying. <laughs> yeah. to I was going to introduce a sermon and be like, "Let's read the first verse." Finally, no kids. I'm not done yet. That's just the verse. I'm not wrapping up. Don't. I, I see you guys moving. Get back here. Come. Hey, I'm not done. Sit down. I prepared this. Um, but yeah, he moves definitely into the teaching and the application, and it's a pretty common process that he uses in his letters. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm not smart enough to. I'm not like English and history were not my best subjects. Certainly not English. Probably least of all. Um, I'm much more of a math science and then I studied history in college, but um, using a study Bible where someone who is much more 
theologically engaged and I am kind of outlines it. it was super helpful for me. Yeah. So I use a, uh, it's called the Reformation Study Bible. So I, that's the one that I use. And they give a great summary in the beginning just of the history and then kind of an outline of those sections. So maybe that's my little cheat to know before I, uh, I even started studying. I'm <laughs> like, oh, here's the outline. Oh, I'm moving into the application. Okay. <laughs> At least you- I knew kind of where it fit. And so yeah. I, I knew what I was getting into. A little when bit. I started mine, uh, I used N.T. Wright's his yeah. uh, study of the All New Testament, sure. like his book, to give me the the good breakdown as yeah. well. <laughs> it helps, you know. There's people who've gone before us for a good reason, so there's no reason yeah. not to learn from them. Just give them credit where credit's due. Yeah, and I think uh, <laughs> looking at four, just even the first verse in four, I think we really can just call this and sanctification. Yeah, because <laughs> he says. <laughs> He says, finally, then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, so it's like you are doing this, yeah. mm-hmm. that you do so more and more. Yeah. So I think that line pretty much yeah. is telling him, like, you are doing this, mm-hmm. but we're going to urge you to do more, more and, and more. more. Yeah. It's incremental and forever. Yep. And here's some specific things he's going to call out. Mm-hmm. If that's not the, just the definition of sanctification in our world, <laughs> who's yeah. teaching? Do Scott, more and more. He's teaching. Scott's that teaching. Is he finishing? He's not finishing the whole thing, or no? He is? I'm finishing. You're the whole finishing. Thing, oh which, man, Brian, you, I was reading through this morning again. Just the last section. I don't know where you start in chapter five, but uh, where that's some rich, good stuff. You have so much to choose from in the end. You're going to like <laughs> your mind's going to explode because you don't know how many pieces you have to shove them back in your ear. Like every verse, I'm like, I could write a sermon on every <laughs> that's, single that's verse. Good. That's good. Brian, did you purposely choose to open and close this book? I did not. Oh wow! I did not. That seems like a you know pretty pretty nice schedule for you to have. Let me open <laughs> and close this. Bookends, bookends. <laughs> what is so? You're Scott's teaching into chapter five a little bit. Yeah, he's going to go until so, uh, verse 11, eleven. Probably, and I'm going to start with the final instruction and benediction, which is pretty much Paul saying, "Hey, I got to end this letter, so I'm going to end this with." A checklist. Make sure you do this. Make sure you yeah. do this. Make sure you do this. Like he's just—it's that last. Like we're going on a trip. Mm-hmm. Make sure we have everything in order yeah. before. <laughs> oh, so many good things. But having taught through with you and Allison and Scott and me and then Scott again, you're gonna have so much to tie it together. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna—it's definitely gonna be fun. Be but I—I I don't know if I'm gonna say this in the sermon, but um, a chapter. Th- these verses for me are like, I'm such—I'm kind of a black and white kind of guy. Like. Just if if there's something going on, if I'm having problems with somebody, and I'm like, hey, like, what did I do wrong? And they start telling me like everything for 30 minutes. I'm like, wow, I really just meant like, what can I do better? And like, <laughs> and just tell me that so yeah. I could just yeah. Do. Whoops, open Pandora's box. On yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like could have just gave me a sentence. I'm like, awesome. I will work on that. So when I read these verses and Paul's like, do this, do this. I'm like, yes, like, I don't, I don't need the, the mm-hmm. description in between. Just tell me what to do and I, and I will do it. Yeah. So sounds but, like you need a pen pal, man. What'd you say? You need a pen pal. I do need, I, I had a pen pal. Yeah. It sounds like you, that's what you need, man. Just somebody can be very direct with you. I had a pen pal and then I moved him here to this church. <laughs> was that me? That is you. Oh, Did you guys sweet. write letters to each other? That's so cute. <laughs> Text messages. Kind of stamps you, that's you stamps with like little frogs and animals on them and stuff? I'm just, right? Yeah, I'm saving a lot of animals. I think you're, is that what you did? <laughs> That's my kids too. Okay. <laughs> I'm old, Brian. Remember someone called me middle aged the other day and I was like, I uh you're right. No, I'm middle aged. <laughs> That's totally spot on. <laughs> it was really a cost effective move. I was spending a lot of money on stationery every month for Brian and I's correspondence. Um You and Papyrus you bought stock in Papyrus? Yeah. <laughs> um on Reddit, let's yeah. raise the stock of yeah. Papyrus. <laughs> <laughs> um I have one question for you, David. Um I 
part of my job on Sundays is to assist the tech team in getting the live stream off the ground because every Sunday it feels like, are we are we online? Is this happening? So for both first and second service, I believe towards the beginning of your, your message, you refer back to a map of Paul's missionary journeys, correct? I did, yeah. Um, this is from absolutely not knowing at all what the purpose was for them. Could you fill me in? What, what was the reasoning for showing those maps? So that was, we're talking about the cutting room floor. Um, <laughs> so in that 55-minute version of the sermon that I mentioned that I had to cut it down to not 55 minutes so my kids didn't throw things at me, mm-hmm. um, I had this long, and it was much more teaching-oriented about, it, it was really a summary of what you had and then expanding on it to kind of give some background of where Paul came from and all that. And as I was kind of doing a dry run through the service as uh, with my father-in-law, with Phil, Phil Pearson again. He was commenting, he's like, you know, if it doesn't, if it doesn't support the point of sanctification, he's like, people are just going to glaze over. And he, was, he was very gracious. He's like, I know you love that, and I love that. But most people, <sighs> and so he was honest um, but straightforward, and I was like, I, I got to cut it out. And so I, I reformatted how I used that, wanting to people, people to know not so much the like he went from here to here to here to here, although I think that's really good in a study setting. Yeah. But I wanted people to know that as he was going through here, I mean, he literally was crazy. I mean, yeah. in this world, Paul lost. By all measuring sticks of this world, Paul mm-hmm. was like a loser. He yeah. lost. I mean, he died, right? He's beheaded. He doesn't, you know, amass wealth. He doesn't amass the kind of fame with all the important people. He mm-hmm. loses. But he wins with regards to the eternal perspective. So I wanted people to see like, he went to Philippi and he's jailed. Most of us would be like, that's it. I'm done in this, this portion of <laughs> sanctification. Yeah. But then Paul goes and he says, give me a little bit more. And then give me a little bit more. And then he goes down to Athens. And that's only his second missionary journey. We haven't yeah. got to the third one yet. Yeah. And so I just wanted people to see that. And I, I'm, in hindsight, I'm like, yeah, I probably could use that map a little more effectively <laughs> yeah. or zoomed in better. Yeah. Um, but I initially, I, had, I was using it a lot more. Um, but then I had to drop it. I wish it I would have known that. Because when you and I were talking beforehand... You, uh, you had a really good, like, imagery of, like, how big the population was compared to our city's yeah, yeah. populations. And I was like, when I listened to him, I'm like, oh, that'd be really good if I put it on a sermon. I'm like, oh, but wait, David's probably going to say in his, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to have David sit in here and go, that was mine! That was mine. Yeah. <laughs> Ironically, I said it in the first sermon, which we didn't put up on the web, and then the second sermon, I forgot to mention the 200,000 people, so okay. you can yeah. still mention it in the last one, and, you know. Yeah. Where, did you compare, because when we were talking, you, were, you put, it like, Kirkland and... Yeah, and the, I think in the 9 o'clock I had mentioned, um, you know, 200,000 is Thessalonica, which is like Bellevue and Kirkland if you put okay. them together, but then you got to smash the buildings and spread it out, and so yeah. it was a pretty, full, pretty full massive Full disclaimer, during that part of your sermon, us in the back were really trying to figure out what was happening yeah. on the tech side. Yeah, no, yeah. I saw you trying to figure it out with one of those goldfish baggies. That was yeah, yeah, yeah. Good yeah. You, I'm, on, a, the I'm on the Whole30 diet, so I can't eat goldfish Yeah, Whole30 goldfish, uh-huh, yeah. sure. <laughs> You ate a whole 30 goldfish? Dude, we should make it. Yeah. And full disclosure, I ate a bag of goldfish at the end of the nice. second sermon. Nice. I was hungry, so. nice. Yeah. so just a question for you because, you know, not, not a lot of people get this chance. How emotionally were you preaching the first sermon, service to second? Did you notice a change in just like mood or excitement as you were going through mm. the second service one? Good question. Uh, in the second service, actually, because I had then preached it through just previously, my mind, as I'm like reading the verses, my mind is already thinking about the next point. Yeah. And I actually mm-hmm. felt like I was a little more distracted in the second one yes. because I just preached through it. Whereas the first one, I actually felt a, a little bit better, ironically, the second yeah. one. It's the weirdest that. thing. I, I've noticed it where when I preached the first service, 
I feel good. I'm like, yes, I did. And when I'm done, I, I did the task. But then I forget, oh, I got to do this again. Yeah. Mm. So when you go to second service, you feel like I just, I already said all this stuff <laughs> that it's kind of hard to like come in with the same excitement and mystery of where you're going because you already know where you're going and you've already yeah. said it. So yeah, it's a, it's a weird mental game that I've, I found with people uh, and myself included of preaching first and then going and doing second. I have no idea how people do three services <laughs> in preaching. Uh, yeah. I will say it gave me a much higher, again, I haven't preached in 10 years in front of, uh, you know, anyone bigger than kids. Um, so it gave me a, a renewed appreciation for what it takes to preach a message. And also it gave me, uh, it gave me a, a reminder. Actually, maybe it's probably the first time I really fully realized it, the difference between teaching and preaching. I think it's in incredibly important that when we preach, we do teach the word. Mm -hmm. But teaching the Bible, if you're just going to teach it without preaching, it is different. That's much more of a classroom setting, yeah. like a Sunday night Bible study or... Um, you're, you know, in Bible college or seminary, mm -hmm. and you're really teaching. It can be a little more monotone. You're getting into the map you had mentioned, Hayden, about yeah. here's where everything's going. And that's important context that I think is really valuable. But when we're preaching, you're preaching to make an impact, and there's going to be more intensity and falling down and some drama. And it's not like it's, it's not manipulating, but it's trying to engage in a different way. Yeah. And so I, I realized when I gave my 55 minute sermon that I was just teaching a lot and I wasn't preaching and I had to change it. So hopefully by the time I actually gave it, it was preaching. No, I mean, the, for those listening, cause people are like, no, show us the map. Tell us about the map. The, what Phil told you is true. It's like Paul went through Thessalonica. Then he went to Perea. Yeah. And then he went to Athens. So you should be sanctified. Like you should, you should work on your sanctifications. Like <laughs> that doesn't really go. Like that's when you write a sermon. That's really the scale that you're doing. Like here's here's the point of why Paul yeah. wrote this. So anything that I bring in, I has to go there. So with your even your introduction of you're crazy, you're yeah. crazy. I think that ties completely into sanctification because to be more like Jesus, the world's gonna look at us as we're crazy. Yeah. Like when it comes to like think of the concept of tithing. You know, I have this money. Gosh, I really, really want to buy this nice table, a nice couch for my house. It's like, oh, I got a tithe. Somebody who's not a believer is going to be like, no, just buy. Yeah, why? Just why? buy the <laughs> buy the couch. Just, just like you don't need to do, you don't need to do that. Yeah. They got plenty of money. Yeah, and it's like like but that's not the point. The point yeah. is not the church has money. So the people of the outside, yeah. you're crazy that you said no to a materialist a material item to give to the church. Like that's you're you're yeah. crazy. Mm -hmm. ties in with we need to... Yes, yeah, sanctification is the Holy Spirit conforming our, thar th our, thar Tharks. <laughs> our <laughs> thoughts, our motives, and our behaviors to be more, le more holy like Christ and holy being separate and different. I mean, that's the definition that I, I, that I grabbed. And yeah, we're going to be crazy in lots of ways. I mean, that's... But also, in full disclosure, to credit where credit is due, the whole concept of crazy, um, although I absolutely see it in sanctification, the word crazy, again, came from my conversations with Phil. So okay. thank, thanks, Phil. Shout out to you. Um, <laughs> wiser, older, much more gray hair. Actually, he doesn't have much hair left, so he's balding, but he knows that, and it's okay. Um, and I will be balding more soon. So uh, we're, this is the follow-up podcast. We have Hayden in the back, Brian, and we have Phil through David. Yeah. <laughs> no. Only the good things I say. If it's, not, if it's not wise or not on point, then that's just me. If it's wise or on point, it's the Lord speaking through Phil. I appreciate um, that. I'd like to wrap things up because we're getting close to time. A right. um, few yeah. thoughts just to maybe move forward with this whole idea of uh, you know, Bible study and teaching versus preaching. Um, you had recommended in your sermon uh, a great resource through 
is it Bible Study Fellowship, BSF? Right? Yes, BSF. Huh? If you really want to get into, you know, the weeds and, and learn more about the Bible and spend more time, that's a great avenue. There's tons of resources online if, if you want to learn more, like the Bible Project. I mean, and biblically speaking, though, we don't want them in the weeds. We want them in the good soil. <laughs> yeah, probably not the best <laughs> phrase that I use, but yeah. That's um, church humor, guys. But I'm yeah. speaking <laughs> the geek. Yeah. But there's tons of resources out there. Um, if, if, if David's message or any of the last uh, three before that really made you want to look more into it. There's tons of resources out there. I think that David and Phil should start like a a, a, a group here where you guys just go super deep. I think they be a lot of They technically have that uh, Wednesday Phil, morning Phil at like group. 4 a.m. Wednesday morning. It's not 4 a.m. It's 7. <laughs> seven. <laughs> it's Phil's group. Not yeah. Mine. I participate. Phil leads it. So if you're interested in that, 3 a.m. Wednesday mornings. <laughs> it's pretty much 1 a.m. <laughs> hey, 3 a.m. like Hawaii time. Yeah. Probably, uh, 4 a.m. Hawaii time. You don't sleep ever. Yeah. Less, I mean, if you're on yeah. the East Coast, it's like 10. You're like wide yeah. awake, so don't worry about exactly. it. Exactly. So tons of resources out there. Um, and that's part of the reason why we put together this podcast, not only to have you know conversations where we can get deeper into the message, but also give a, uh, an avenue for Brian to geek out when it comes Thank to the so Bible. Much. Yeah, and now we have David who loves to geek out about the Bible as well. So um, any anything you guys want to say before we wrap up? No, if I start talking, then we'll start a whole new tangent <laughs> for 20 more minutes. So I think I'll, yeah. I'll wrap it up. Cool. I think I'll be done as well. Thanks. All right. Well, thank you, David, for your message. And uh, thank you for all of you that were watching or listening. Um, this has been the follow-up podcast, and we will see you guys next week. Bye.